It is March the 4th, 2023, and this is The Future of Photography. The Future of Photography. Hello, we're back with another episode. All the three of us. Yay! Hello. <sighs> it's morning here. It's morning. It's evening here. Yeah. Um, when we record this, uh, we usually record this on a Saturday. And I. Uh, it's, it's like a, an hour before dinner and Monica starts cooking in the kitchen. And it's, uh, the smells come over <laughs> while we record. So it's not yet happening. But over the next 30 minutes, I'll be... I started um, is getting that, is that why you rush us through to the end of shows every week? Is it? <laughs> of course, it's, of course, it is. It's the only reason. Well, uh, I suppose at least it's not that you're bored of talking to us. I suppose. It, it, <laughs> no, I, w- I would never be bored. Never be bored with the two of you. Um, here we go with a new topic. Um, the value is okay. Title of this episode is the value of a photo trending to zero, which uh, Adrian you came up with. We together workshop this topic um i recently talked about the value of a photo on uh, tips from the top floor and that's where it kind of came from so yeah, yeah i mean i is, guess is i could take some credit to for, the, uh, for, for the t- the actual title but you were, it was your idea and okay it, it caught my attention um uh, and i think yeah definitely definitely worthy of a conversation um uh yeah it could because well, let's just dive in, shall we? So, so the uh, you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, well, you know, uh, Instagram and smartphones have devalued photography and blah 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 blah." But I think that's a bit simplistic, and it must be a lot deeper than that. And I suspect it has a rich history going back 150 plus years as well. So it'd be nice to be able to talk about that. But the, I start. I thought we'd start off with the question: Is that what is the value of a photo? <laughs> This in itself is an entire book we're going to open. Well, <laughs> by the way, one could say, you know, to be um, to be negative about it, um, if you look at the world and kind of and increase one's sense of morality, humanity, what's the value of a human being? Is oh, oh. Is, is it the sum total of our organs? Is it our value that we give to society? How much we help? In other How many words, there's no we simple. Pass on? Well, there's all of all of the when it comes to value, there's the strict well, the market right. decides. Or okay, so so, so with, with with a with a photo, I I I see the need to structure this a bit to go in a in a bit of a, of a structured approach here. So um, when I thought about this originally, I came up with two main different um, sides of that coin. The one is the commercial photography in any commercial context, mm-hmm. like you're shooting uh, tabletop. Shot, table uh, for an ad for an sure. ad so so you have a you have a customer client relationship you are the service provider in this uh you, you provide the photography service so your value as a photographer and what comes out is determined by the, how useful this is to the person that pays you for it right so we, we're talking i don't know that advertising photography does the photo trigger the impulse to buy Sure. If it does that, and if it does that reliably, then, oh, this is an immensely valuable photo. If it doesn't, yeah, sure, nice photo, but now, it doesn't really do what it's supposed to do. Is Just to riff on that for a moment, is the value of a 
photograph in that context really the value of a photographer? Stunned well, silence. <laughs> I'll, I'll, jump, I'll jump into the stunned silence. Check, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of metaphysical stuff going on in this conversation already, isn't there? I've, I'm totally and let's, let's stay on that commercial context first, sure. right? Let's so that's so fitness for purpose is is, is another word for, or another phrase for what you've said there, Chris. Because uh, you know, the, if you are if you are a photographer doing a commercial job, uh, you need to generate imagery that is fit for the purpose that it's intended for by the client. And if that purpose is to, in, let's say it is for advertising, um, that in, to entice people to, to buy something or, or at the very least to click on something and potentially buy something with some level of conversion ratio, then I suppose you could say that, yeah, the value of it is it is can be expressed to the client in terms of the effectiveness of it in whatever use case they put it to. So I, I think that's good. Would you include um, something along the lines of, say, a wedding photographer whose uh, photographs are possibly not very valuable to anyone outside the immediate family and the emotional memory that it creates for them over years um so that particular uh photograph has great value you always hear of people if a flood is coming or a fire is burning at least we see this in california yes i suppose all the time they run in and save their photographs yeah yeah so so wedding a wedding album that's an interesting one you could a proxy measure for that might be how many times it makes people cry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, so, or, so, or maybe smile maybe smile. So, let's go let's go with smile shall we rather than wedding yeah. photography. some people are going to look at their wedding photographs and they're going to be overcome with emotion and, and for cry. the wrong or right reasons yeah, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely <laughs> hopefully for the right reasons um so so, so wedding photography I, I would i would count this into a sort of a gray area between commercial and sentimental that, okay. that's the, the second thing um so let me let me try to stay on the commercial side uh, for a second and there I would like to bring the supply and demand thing into the equation, right? Um, if you look at photography as a, as, a, as a good to trade, as in like art and rare photos, if you look at, I don't know, photos of historical significance, um, the napalm girl photo is more, worth more than most other mm-hmm. snapshots from the Vietnam War. But then, if you if you if you go to the I don't know, the Tank Man photo Tiananmen Square, there's twelve different versions of that because a lot of photographers took that photo, so sure. that might take away from that value. Just just a theoretical thought here. So supply demand plays into that as well. The rarity of a photo um, and the and the demand in the art world. So that's interesting because supply really outstrips demand in in some levels these days. So so I mean the two things that you you've you've quoted there Chris clearly are impossible to recreate and so it's it's a moment in time uh, uh, and that has a lot of historical and and in the in the short term journalistic value. But and I would, and, say, and I would argue have rarity. that and rarity, but I would argue that overall, perhaps today, then supply outstrips demand. So, for example, uh, the website Unsplash, 
net where uh, people do uh, provide yeah people do upload photographs uh, that they've made some of them are, are clearly very technically professional in the way that they have been crafted and uh, those are often used uh, in the place of buying stock photography so in that sense you could argue that supply has outstripped demand because the price has trended to precisely zero in that use case you know that but there's a whole other um arena of of value i mean you know we'll we'll slide into the value of the (laughs) photograph within the art world which is very different and the value of a photograph where in the traditional uh, silver print, platinum print, etc., or daguerreotype, make the object uh, very, very rare. Uh, arguing against, this is in the same context of even commercial photography, um, the limitations imposed on a negative by the photographer, client, or copyright owner. So, in other words, I have a photograph, I say it's very rare, it's a photograph of a bell pepper by Edward Weston, maybe worth $20,000 for an 8x10 silver print, unframed. (laughs) Anyway, that value is directly connected to the mythic Edward Weston, when it was taken, the fact that it, it, it provides a historical reference. Now... His son, in the second printing of of these things, could have printed 10,000 of these. The image remains the same. But the value in the market will decrease based on the artificial limitations, certainly in photography, which is very... So that's a supply and demand thing again in this... Context. Yeah, it caters- or, or is it or is it how far away is this photo from the original photographer as in like uh, uh, yes yes right uh, so so there's there's an additional distance one generation second printing yeah i mean i it's funny there's there's a a, a gallerist brilliant who wrote um uh, a, a great book called the power of photography it's it's new it's out this year called peter fetterman he runs the Fetterman Gallery, and and he his work in his gallery are very clot, you know, Salgado, Weston, Cartier-Bresson, etc., etc., Sarah Moon, very uh, traditional, established, um, generally fine art photographers, and his clientele are high end collectors. Um, and and he's written books about this. And what's interesting, because I know him quite well, the the interesting aspect of supply and demand within the art scene is is one of uh, it can be an artificial limitation of additioning or it just could be the fact that as chris pointed out the distance between a print that lives now in 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 front of us and the death of a photographer say 50 years ago would printed by that photographer would have intrinsic value but would it have value and this is the question i throw to you as an image or as an object very good question i don't have a good answer <laughs> it, 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 it is a good it is a good question um uh, i i suspect 
for for me it would it, it would be valued probably for its identity as an object and its provenance ah, rather than rather than the image itself that you know but but then i guess i am drawing on the economic model of the art world at that point rather than uh and and yeah, so that's a very specific world and it's a very specific model. It's an economic model rather than perhaps the value of it as a piece of social history uh, uh, or, something, yeah. or something like that. So, for example, just to le lead us into a kind of a web of complications, the, the, a photograph of a pe pepper by Edward Weston. Um, very famous. Very famous, very mm -hmm. clever, very influential. Uh, and beautiful. Pictures, stunning. Uh, uh, a photograph that I have in my in my heart and my head as being one of the most influential images in my development. Mm -hmm. um, so that image, but if I took a photograph of a pepper on my table and put it up on you know any number of stock pages, or I shot that pepper for a client, there you go. That's the pepper. Pepper number thirty. That's yeah. the title. Linked in the show notes. There's an entire a, Wikipedia entry on, on, on just this on photo. On just that photo. So it's a very... But if I took that photo, tried to mimic it, and it was for um, a food, you know, fast food or frozen food, um, would it have the same value to the client as the Weston? Um, it's a very difficult... Um, conversation or or analysis to really come up with it because the it changes literally i think week by week month by month year by year the value of any image i think that what we're getting at is what's the value of the photographic process hmm. that's oh that, that that's a surprising twist at the end there because i'm not sure i didn't i didn't see that one go i didn't know that that's where you were going to take that because the I, I thought we were thinking yes about the value of the photographic process. Is well, that is that right, or is it, or do we live? And this might be uh, more insight into my process? brain than anything else. Do uh, we is it? Do we live in a world that is more about the the output and the and and the object rather than the process? Uh, I th if I can respond to that kind of more cynically, um, if I may, um, <laughs> the, the the idea of a client approaching a photographer saying, I need a great picture of a bell pepper for my ingredient um, poster or book cover on cooking, whatnot, and it needs, you, it, it needs you to create something that induces me or anyone to buy the book or order the frozen food or shop at whatever. Uh, the photographer themselves, because we all know that that classic photograph that Weston took, just a you know gray, you know green on gray, um, could be duplicated, or I could take a picture of in my studio, if I'm a you know studio commercial product photographer, and my CV has convinced the client that I am the greatest <laughs> food photographer ever because I've done all of this work in the past. So they are willing um, 
to pay me much more than they would pay an assistant to snap basically the same picture, arguing one way or another, all things being equal. But my reputation as a food photographer is what creates the value of that photograph for the client. That's very different than the client leafing through a bunch of stock pictures of a pepper and finding something they like. Uh, and and may I add, uh, if if we're if we're adding the value of the photographer into this equation, of course, if if that's a commercial context, then your I mean. The question is, do you have a history together? Do they know you? Are you reliable? Do they know you will deliver the work? This exactly. will all be a part of that equation yeah. that goes into the value of that photo. Yeah. Because, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, so just placing values on photographs uh, in the commercial sense, I think is very linked to what you've just said, Chris, whereas the value of a photograph in the art world is extremely fungible because it has... Because it's a market, right? It's a market, and that market yeah. can be manipulated. There's wash trading. There's all manner of ways to move prices up or down. Uh, editions, all the rest of it, shows, coverage, PR, all of these things uh, will grow or diminish the value of, of a photograph. Right. That doesn't mean that the photograph is worse or better. It's just the object that you... Are purchasing right or the providence that you're purchasing so how about we leave that whole commercial photography <laughs> field and go and go into the field that is probably even more slippery than that and that is the entire like your your vacation snaps your family photos your wedding photos your the pic get the pictures of your kids of your babies and so on because um, there we have <clears throat> I would argue 100% intangible value. The paper that it's printed on, the the surface that it's on, the aluminum print, the whatever, that does not matter whatsoever. It's just what's in the photo. Yes, the subject, right? the subject has value. And the moment. And the, the subject moment, yeah. alone. A wedding photo might be worth more to you than the photo with the exact same people in there just standing around. Sure. Yeah. Yes, I think th th there's a lot to be said for that. I'm not sure I 100% agree, because if you take that same photo on instant film and you hand it to somebody to not shake while it's developing, <laughs> then then that has that has a, a joy there's a there's a value there the the, the joy of photography is, is rarely oh, hi, rarely higher than when you and i know i say this a lot but the joy of photography is rarely higher than when you hand somebody an instant photograph whether it's taken as a film photograph or whether it's printed you know in a pocket printer like we were talking about last week <laughs> the the that there is um the, there's very little uh, very few circumstances i ever see that much joy This just, you just led me down the complete wrong path in my mind because you started coming up with the instant photo and I thought you were going to, isn't there a difference in value when someone has this shoddy, bad resolution, weird, contrasty, colory instant photo versus the professional photographer who does the much more sharp in focus and so on picture and, and you went a to totally different way with the 
instance. So uh, that's very subjective, I think, isn't yep. it? Because yep. I would far yep. rather have a a a caught in the moment, technically poor instant photograph than something that's been shot in a studio. Um, I, I have been probably only once ever actually in a in a studio shoot so somebody in my extended family asked for us all to get together and go for a studio shoot you know sort of you know high key completely white background that kind of thing um i really didn't like the photographs that came from that <laughs> at all the experience was was fun enough to get together and you know and 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 be directed by the photographer in the studio and and the photographer was a perfectly nice person and she was very professional and the images were, were absolutely she nailed it right it's just a type of photography that means absolutely nothing to me yeah mm. um so like school fo- like school photos like if you yes, ever look at like, school photos of your children. Oh, there's 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 some photos in our family that are that are ex- exemplary for that. Like my my sister, she had her her two sons be in a, like there was a school photographer of sorts, and he took individual pictures of the kids, and for that he had a a set with like a winter set with a <laughs> fluffy white sheet in the background that was supposed to be snow and a branch. And a log to sit on for the kids, which was like, it was so obvious that this is a fake set of so, of sorts. And then the kids had that very fake smile as you do as a kid. You you have your photo face and they certainly do. And, and, then, and then my mom got that photo sent to her via email. Of course, when you attach this to an email and you, you're not a pro, you will accept whatever the email program tells you and that compressed it down to like a resolution that is suitable for the email and this was this was like 20 years ago and then the photo arrived in horrendous resolution in my mom's inbox she printed that out <laughs> on a on a on an office inkjet with like it's not made for photography on on simple copy paper office paper Really bad resolution, bad colors, bad everything. Let not me guess. Glossy, she loved no, it. <laughs> no contrast, and it's still up on the wall exactly. because she loves what's in the photo. The sure. value has nothing to do with anything other uh, than what's in the photo. If, if I if I could uh, kind of make a just a little side um, sidebar to how we look at dailies when we shoot film in performance that often with the dailies, editor. Let's let g- uh, give me a one minute blurb okay. on what a daily is. Dailies or, or they call them rushes uh, in Canada or Britain. Um, they are the f- the film that you've shot the previous day, generally, that's how it used to be, where you review all the unedited footage. So that is developed overnight and then brought to the set. And right. Then you I mean, obviously, we, we do it differently in, in, in it's digital. different now, yeah. But, but we still call them dailies. In other words, it's the total of all of the images, all of the scenes, shots, the really this would, the shots. In, in photography, this would be your contact sheet pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So in looking at these and um, assessing performance, which for a director is important, as you know, um, if a shot which has an amazing performance is slightly out of focus relative to a performance that is beautifully tack sharp, gorgeous, especially in narrow 
depth of field where your actor may be moving back and forth. Um, I've always gone for the less effective technical and the better performance because the emotion will always carry you through any flaws. Um, where I think what you were saying, Adrian, is the coldness of a perfect photograph that lacks the kind of emotional connection uh, is, is something that may be uh, sort of decorative, but has nothing to do with capturing why you wanted that photograph. I'm sure if you took that family out to a field and, you know, got them filled with pies and alcohol and play <laughs> and, and the photographer was able to capture the group at rest in play engaged those photographs same people in them even the same photographer would that photograph would have much more value i think yeah definitely. emotional uh, it, it, could, it could do i mean yeah for, for the record the photographs that, that i was referring to didn't come out badly i mean we all had nice smiles and we all looked well, engaged it's just, yes but, the, but it's, they were just, fake. just a sterility to it they're you fake know, it, uh, yeah it's that takes of away, course, you know. of course, this is this is you uh, applying or uh, you assigning it that yes. negative value. I was Other I was people going to might say be that. completely happy with that. I was <laughs> going to say that because because my parents love those photos. Yeah. they think they're amazing, right? So uh, that yes, it is very very subjective, and you know this is it, it's a it's a really interesting thing to to. to to think about the, the process versus the output, the objectivity versus the subjectivity. Um, I, I just want to, um, I just want to go back to, to something that is, it is perhaps slightly a different view is a time when the value of photography went up or the value of an individual photograph went up. And I wouldn't be able to put a date on it. Jeremiah, you might know better than I do, but sometime I think in around the 19. 50s maybe the the, the early 60s yeah, photography became properly 60s. recognized as an art form where previously it had been quite disregarded as an art form and quite put down as an art form um yeah and that for me there, there was a time there i guess when the the value of a photograph went up considerably didn't it well yeah i think you have to separate first of all um, or, or define very clearly what we really mean as value, because we've been talking about value. Haven't we been trying this for like thirty minutes? <laughs> we have, but we we have failed miserably in my in my no, view. We have. We've had a great exploration of it. <laughs> we've explored it, but we've not landed it as usual. But I, I think there's the emotional value, which also includes the sentimental value, um, and then there's the fiscal value which is the monetary value. And, and somewhere, if we talk about commercial photographs, they certainly will not have sentimental value. However, a commercial photograph taken by George Harrell in 1932, say, for Vogue, uh, may have great sentimental value to the editor who may be in their 90s or, you know, the, the, the model that was in that photograph, um, the family thereof, or a collector just generally. So while the 
initial image was created for commercial purposes, the end result is very, very different. So there's a transformation of value through the ages, which is both sentimental and fiscal in terms of the art world and connected to the original intention and payment to the photographer who shot it for whatever purpose. So value is very, very hard to land uh, unless you identify the moment that you're valuing it and to what market. Is it a general market? Is it an individual's feeling, their family photos? Um, those are very, very different ways to value uh, near the same image. Hmm. Check, please. Okay, let me, <laughs> let, me, let me bring in one last aspect uh, into this. And uh, this kind of goes a bit back to the commercial side of photography, and that has to do with you as the photographer and how, how the, what the client uses as an indicator for value in your photography. And uh, that is about the theatrics of photography that you perform as a photographer we're talking about this a photographer who who has a hundred let's say 50 years of experience in photography and can take any potato camera and take an amazing photo because they know about light and composition and timing and everything um will at least by certain clients not be valued as high as the photographer who starts setting up 12 umbrellas and three <sighs> studio flashes yes. and comes with four different black cameras that look very manly and ends up with um, possibly mediocre photos, maybe good photos, but, but uh, you, you, you brought all these things and you made it look very difficult and you took five times as long as the uh, seasoned professional. And uh, therefore, your photos must be worth more. And this, I've seen this in all different fields happen over and over again. I have to say that I'm personally responsible for that behavior in my early <laughs> days as a fashion photographer. Oh, I, I would say everyone has done that to a certain extent. As the moment you work in, in a creative field uh, with a client uh, or with someone paying you for it, um, I'd say it's probably advisable to sleep over the whole thing for a night instead of uh, delivering something in 30 minutes, um, which is of high skill, because your value will not be seen as good, as, as high yeah, as I mean, I any can, other way. I can list several examples, both in kind of television commercials and, oh, yeah. and, and uh, advertising photographs. Um, You know, when I used to shoot early days, um, making a transition from an artist to a, a fashion photographer, then more commercial work within that, um, you know, having a big studio, uh, timing the, had two assistants, lots of gear, all of that stuff. And, w you know, timing it so when the client walked in, The music was blaring. The makeup <laughs> artists were going. They, in other words, they felt, because you were generally middle managers of larger corporations, they felt sure. that the responsibility, their fiscal responsibility of spending it, that was their money in action. And of yep. course, the result was going to be good. So the theatrics, which we, between me and my assistants, we talked about the theatrics all the time tailored for very specific clients. 
I hope I'm not letting the cat out of the bag for those working now, but I, I assume that we know. Um, and those theatrics also provided a great deal of joy, by the way, to us in performance because it was it, fun and energizing. And we and that might reflect back in the photos then. I thought they did at yeah. the time. Um, in, in commercials... Uh, because I, you know, I haven't shot commercials for a very, very long time. Uh, but I, one of the very last commercials I did, I, I had, I, it's like one of those coming out of retirement. I was asked by a friend to shoot a series of, of bank commercials, you know, I think maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago. And, you know, at that time, I had, you know, I a lot of experience shooting film and television and whatnot. So I came to the set, we organized it, and the clients were there. And I was like, okay, you know, rolling, told the actors, boom, two takes, got it, move on. And the clients were like, only two takes? And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, the art director came over and said, like, you know, it's like, I know you have it, but I think you got to. <laughs> so we started, like, just filling up a day. We could have been home by, you know, lunchtime. But yes. that was a very, very good example because I had really forgot about the theatrics of, you know, directing commercials and, you know, the expense and all of that. Um, so, so maybe at that point, the value is in the process then. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, th I think sometimes it is. And, and sometimes it does take a long time and technical to set up, you know, to shoot a car in a studio. Oh, <clears> yeah. it, it, it does take a lot of care and a lot of uh, conversation and moving big pieces of equipment um, around. And of course, now it's like, <laughs> AI, <laughs> build me, a, you know, uh, a, a Mustang in a blue in a studio with soft light three quarters uh, with a gleam on the side and you're done. Uh, yeah, we are. Things are changing. They are. Anyway, I, I think I, everyone, I, sorry, go ahead. I have to apologize. I, I, it's your topic, your guy's topic, and I feel like no, no, dominant. This is perfect. No, 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 it's perfect. good. And I think I, I, there's, there's no answer to this, is there? So, I mean, we've talked so a lot we about have, the commercial side of it. We've talked about the emotional side of it, the subjective side of it. We talked about the process. We've talked about the output. Yeah, as ever, as you said yourself a few minutes ago, Jeremiah, you know, it, we, we, we're not really going to put this one away. We're not going to land it. But the it is an interesting it is an interesting discussion and uh you know it'd be interesting to it'd be interesting to come back to it i guess it, it, I, it, after I a think, period of time yeah, and see, I, see i think so see what because happens. i i think what what chris was getting at and and i i do agree even though he hasn't really stated it is in the commercial world the value of a photograph is drifting perilously close to zero that's that's what I could see. There seems to be a race to the bottom, and um, I think that's clear not only uh, in photography but soon in you know voiceovers, uh, narration, um, white color work, yeah, and that includes art and everything else. Anyway, yeah. this is not about AI, <laughs> no. even though it has closely to do with it. Let's move <laughs> on to our picks, because I think everyone who listened to this is probably as confused as we are about the value of photography these days. 
Um, we have made our picks and let's start with uh, Jeremiah. You brought us, of course, an AI-related <laughs> topic. <laughs> How could it be anything else? Um, um, this is, I, I think I've alluded a little bit about what I felt were the cameras of the future, which would integrate AI. So, you know, you take a snapshot, there's something in the picture that you don't like. You go, camera, you know, could you get rid of that tree, those power lines? Gone. That's easy. But also, uh, could you add some blur to the train coming in the station to make it look faster? Sure. Can you change it to sunset? I think we're going uh, in that direction. We're going to see over the next maybe three or four years a real advance in this um, is this At good max. or bad? With the current development, less than three years, I'm pretty three sure. Three months, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying that, that it is here and we will have to get to know it or run from it, embrace it or be afraid of it, but it is here. So the, the, your, pick is, but your pick is a bit different than that. Yes. In other words, it will, <laughs> it will take, <laughs> it's, how do I describe this? It's um, an art project. I would say this is an art project at this point in time. So basically it's a camera. And I've always said that AI is a camera that takes pictures of things that don't exist. So here is that in a box. So the the <laughs> interesting so the, the title of this page says the camera takes pictures by describing what it sees to an AI. So the camera there's something some AI that looks at what's in front of the camera that extracts the verbal representation of that photo, tells it to an AI that then generates that picture <laughs> that the camera saw. Yes, that is wild and crazy and. Um, and interesting. <laughs> it is, it's, it, it, I'm not, yeah, there definitely sounds like a, a project for the sake of the project rather than a new product in development. It's, That's why I call it an art project. I don't yes. think it has any real value at this point, but describing photos and having an AI make that picture, yeah, that's what we've been doing for half a year now with uh, yeah. different kinds of yeah, platforms. Very good yeah. point. This All right. Um, a box that does it. Yeah, second one is mine, and that is a Vox video about a famous photo, which is the hmm, the Valley Matthew, of the Shadow Ma of Death. Matthew Roger Fenton. Roger, Roger is this, Fenton. Is this where he put the cannonballs down there? Well, this is the question. It, it's a photo from 1855 in the Crimean War, and that photo is shows this valley that is filled with cannonballs and the 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 video it's by Vox and they have an entire series on photography um they go on a little well it's it's a bit of a detective story trying to find out um out of two photos which one came first because the photographer was um Fenton was taking lots of photos there this is the only photo that has two of them. So there are two of the same spot from the same spot and one has the cannonballs on them and the other doesn't. And this is a bit of a, a story trying to find out which one came first. 
which is the photo? Is it a staged photo? Did someone put the cannonballs there? Or did someone remove the cannonballs before taking the picture? And <clears throat> it, kind of, it kind of also links up with, uh, with Errol Morris, who has had an entire obsession about this photo and trying to find out. So um, I won't reveal it here, but um, it's worth watching. It's a 10-minute video and... It's fine. I, I would definitely watch that. I have heard of that photograph before and seen it, and I have heard of that story about uh, about the cannonball. So uh, right. I will go. I, I will have to go and watch it now, won't I? Because you're not going to give it away on this podcast. I'm not going to give it away, but it's 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 a fun little story, and uh, yeah, I think, I think Errol Morris did, wrote a book about it. He did write a book about it, and uh, he he also gets to a conclusion, and it's quite convincing. So um, yeah. yeah, okay. Very, very interesting. So, last but not least, Adrian brought us a Kickstarter project that is still 43 days to go. Yeah, it's only just the started, I think. So, uh, yeah, so um, some some of our listeners uh, will have heard of Reveni Labs, which is a, a very small uh, business in Canada that has uh, built in recent times uh, light meters. Uh, so if you have an old film camera that has no built-in light meter, uh, you can get a Reveni Labs light meter, pop it in the in the hot shoe or cold shoe of your camera, and then uh, that will you know give you uh, a great little um, uh, a great way to to judge exposure. So uh, this is this Kickstarter is a new product um, from Reveni Labs, and this time they've gone to the other end of the photographic process. Uh, towards the uh, the processing of your film and what they have created is uh, a, a product they call the dunk bot <laughs> it's right. nothing to do with basketball right uh, yeah absolutely yes yeah, the, yeah. Um, so so uh, it, it's it's difficult to describe it um, do, do you know what in in the UK here right if you go to an Indian restaurant and you have some poppadoms and they come out with a selection of chutneys and pickles and stuff like that they often come out <laughs> in, in, a, in a little collection of stainless steel yeah um, stainless steel cups or, or, or pots and th th this reminds me of that so if you imagine that there are five or six stainless steel pots uh big enough to put a real uh, a film uh, or a, a darkroom processing reel with, with a film on it uh, and each one holds different chemicals uh and then the in the middle of that a robotic arm that will will move the will be at, it'll drop your drop it'll, it'll lower your film It'll dunk uh, into, into a chemical. <laughs> it'll dunk it. Thank you. Yes, it'll dunk it. Um, it'll agitate it for a while, lift it out, put it into the next one, lift it out, put it into the next one, and so on. So it's an automated home uh, film processing robot. In, in daylight. In daylight. It so will it's, do, a, it's yes. a light tight dunk tank. So the, the gets... dunk tank itself is is light tight. Yes. So you have to load the film uh, into the dunk tank in the dark. You can do that either in a darkened room or you can do it in uh, a, a properly darkened room. So no light at all or in a dark bag, which is, off, is, is another way people do these things. Um, and uh, then once it's light tight, you can actually do your film processing and de uh, development in uh, in daylight. Um, it looks like fun. It, it does. <laughs> if you do it a lot, that might come in quite handy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, and you know, given you know, with the the way we are at the moment, with the prices of film increasing all the time, uh, the ability to do your own development at home uh, is is ever more enticing for people. I think. What do people do with their chemicals now? 
oh, that entirely depends on where you live and what your what the legal situation is there. Like uh, different countries allow you to dispose a developer and fixer down the drain. Um, other countries do not because fixer has silver in it and that kills the bacteria and the and the water treatment plants and so on. So it depends on where you are. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what the law was in the UK at the moment. I mean, as interesting this is to me, it's not something I've ever done. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, but it's yeah. certainly an interesting looking product. It looks fun, doesn't it? I mean, like, who wouldn't want like a, a robot that develops your film for you? That's pretty there's, cool, isn't it? Really? Th- this is very cool. I, I really love this. Um, there's a, there's a, like a three or four uh, development robots out there, all kind of uh, crowdfunded ones. Um, but this one is very unique. I like this little robot going. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. And you can get it. Uh, okay, nine hundred fifty Canadian dollars for a self-assembly kit, so you can build it yourself and save a save a couple. Yeah, of yeah it's, it's, it's definitely investment rather than pocket oh, change. Sure. Um, but you know, I think if you're if it's your thing i suspect it will pay for itself after uh, after a while i mean if you think i don't know what the canadian dollar price would be equivalent but if that 950 canadian dollars it's be about what, 72 cents yeah <laughs> it's just yes yes or 700 us dollars or 700 euros or something, something like somewhere that. around there um the if that you know if it's 20 euros a roll to send it off to the lab you know uh, then you know, it's going to pay for itself over just a couple of years, if that's your kind of thing. If you do it every day. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, the value of a photo. That was a fun episode. So <laughs> now we all know exactly how to price our photography. If we have clients, we know exactly what our photos will be worth to family and friends. And how fast we run into a burning building to <laughs> save our family photos. And that, yes, yes, yes. Or take the photos off the burning building, because that, again, might be <laughs> true of <laughs> some value. Anyway, we'll have show notes for this, including the links of things we talked about. And yep. uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Go on Twitter and on other social media and um, let us know. Links are in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more. Until then, everyone, take care and have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. been listening to The Future of Photography. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Music